0: My hairdresser <clears throat> works with preschool children at the YMCA and she told me uh, yesterday the story of the bunnies' rescue. You see, five little bunnies were in their nest uh, out in the playground at the YMCA where she worked and they were very, very vulnerable. The mother was coming, but less so, and so they had been reported to be a bit of a hazard for the children. And such, so the maintenance men were ordered to remove them, which meant certain death. So, my soft hearted hairdresser got a box and smuggled the little bunnies in her car and took them to her home. She measured them also to see if they were long enough to be able to be on their own, and they cleared six inches, which apparently is the length to be an adult bunny. And so she released them into the woods behind her country house. The next day, when the sad preschoolers asked her, what happened to the bunnies? Where are they? She thought to herself quickly, oh dear. So she said, they went off to become Easter bunnies. (laughs) And the kids bought it. This simple... uh, version of an Easter story hints at Jesus' main goal uh, during Holy Week. He has come indeed to rescue us uh, from the playground of life, you might say, where we are endangered and to help us become Easter people. Now that's a simple faith explanation indeed, but it lacks the depth, the emotion, the history, the prophecies fulfilled that the adult biblical story really entails. I'm wondering how many of you have read the full passion story lately at home. Maybe you would choose a gospel of your choice. There's different versions in Matthew, Mark, Luke, etc. And John, they each treat them a little differently. And so if not, I thought it'd be a great opportunity this week to try to go from our text today, maybe Luke 19, and read through in the days that come to the end, to the Easter story and beyond. This week, you see, the staff discussed, um, many of our staff in education, uh, which just about is all of us, discussed uh, growing concern about our congregation's comfort level with Bible reading and understanding Scripture. Our teenagers, you see, increasingly just get their iPhone out if I ask them to find a Bible verse and they Google it. When I do their faith uh, interviews the last year in confirmation, and ask how they picked their Bible verse, hoping they poured through the real pages of the Bible, they have always Googled it, which is really convenient and good, and maybe we all do that sometimes, but it doesn't help us grasp the richness, the flow of the story, of the narrative, the context for the men and women in these Bible stories, the prophets, the kings, the history of our faith, and the brilliance of some of the Scripture. It is a sad development that we do the shortcuts so much in our lives nowadays. But I know parents, too, sometimes feel they are inadequate in explaining Scripture to their children. They've asked for Bible courses here, and we are happy to comply. But couldn't we consider it a thanksgiving this week, an offering of praise and discipleship to set this week apart to really put your hands on that Bible every day and read the passion stories. I invite you, everyone here, to also, as you know, make the journey Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday as a prayerful priority. You see, this is my favorite time of the year. I, since I was a strange teenager and beyond, before that, I love all the richness <clears throat> of this time of year and all the sadness, the angst, the suffering, the pain, and then the celebration. But for now, let's just consider A few, oh, stumper questions from today's gospel in Luke 19. Uh, For instance, do you know why Jesus asked for a colt that had never been ridden? The good news is I'm not really going to wait for everybody to answer. I'm going to give you the answer. That's part of the grace of the Lutheran tradition probably in keeping with the Old Testament prophecy passage in Zechariah 9.9, 9, which predicted, Lo, your king will come to you triumphant and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Plus, Jesus wanted to make sure that his mount would not have been used in any other spiritual labor, as uh, often those donkeys were used for spiritual um, Uh, festivals and thoughts. He wanted a donkey that had never been ridden as he made his sacred entry into Jerusalem. It was rich in symbolism for the people of his day. Second question, do you notice that in the Lucan processional gospel that we had outside the doors, there was actually no mention of palm branches? No mention of shouting hosannas. Why? Why? Well, we have blended today, of course, some of the other gospel stories into ours. But the author in Luke had feared that the waving of the palm branches and the hosanna had a nationalistic overtone, a political overtone, because uh, it was not the religious uh, celebration only that the Jews saw, but Rome saw this as a time when they celebrated their Passover event, you see. The reason the crowds were all there in Jerusalem was it wasn't like a, some sort of a uh, theater weekend, but it was Passover and they were Jews and they'd come from all over on their pilgrimages to celebrate at the temple. The crowds were there already and Rome was nervous with the Jews coming and the celebration that they were celebrating was their uh, Passover liturgy when exactly they had been released from Egyptian captivity It celebrates the time when the angel of death passed over the Jews' homes and they were let go from from slavery in Egypt to the Promised Land. And then came their government and their leaders. And so now Rome is seeing if they get too out of hand and if they see some king riding in on a donkey, they're going to get the idea again they're going to have freedom and Rome is going to be in trouble. And so Pontius Pilate watched this very closely to see if the Jews thought their redemption was coming once more which, of course, they did. Okay, one last quiz question, and then the pain will be over. Do you know what is meant by Jesus' response to the Pharisees when they told him to be silent? The Pharisees, who were the, you know, they thought they were the hoity-toity of the Jewish establishment, they knew Scripture, they knew tradition, and they said to Jesus, who they had mixed feelings about in the first place, shh, be quiet. Don't have the crowds being so loud and he said and Jesus says to them not to silence the crowds because blessed is he that comes in the name of the lord is what they were saying but Jesus says i tell you pharisees that if if the crowds were silent even the stones would shout out what if the crowds were silent even the stones would shout out at this occasion what Jesus is referring to is the idea that all of creation is being redeemed in his coming and his death and dying. Not just humanity, not just a special group of people, but all of the world is being uh, saved in God. God has witnesses, therefore, to his work um, on earth in all of nature. It can't be silenced by anyone. Recall at the crucifixion, when Jesus' point of death comes, that the, moon is suddenly e- the sun is suddenly eclipsed. And there's darkness over the whole land. Nature is responding to the event. Then a mighty wind blows and blows and blows and blows. And in some gospels, there is an earthquake that happens at the death of Jesus in Matthew's gospel. And then at Jesus' birth, a special star appears uh, for the shepherds to draw them to the baby. And so all of nature is responding, not just humanity, in this saving event That Christ is bringing so even the stones will shout out it wouldn't be too big a thing for God to bring that also as it says in Romans 8 the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and obtain the glorious liberty of the children of God all of creation okay end of quiz end of quiz I love this season did I mention that I love this season For we hear the testimony at the core of our faith, unlike any other world religion has. I studied world religion in college, tried to get away from Christianity, tried to find something else that made more sense, more exciting. Maybe you've done that as well. There's value in every world religion. But this is the only religion where the God himself sacrifices and dies and becomes vulnerable for the sake of his people. And to many, it's a human folly. It's a, it's a strange kind of a story for God. But we have this unique story of a God who dies on the cross for us. And when we reject him, he loves us still. But this holy season is also about our self-discovery, really. It forces us to look inwards. As we say often, we are the people in that crowd that day in Jerusalem how would we be responding? We learn about our human vulnerability. We learn about our short attention spans in religious areas, our fickleness and hard hearts. We learn about our ability to be lured away from the purest love and grace in the whole wide world for more tangible things, power and prestige and titles and glory. We long for peace in our own world, right? For the end terrorism and to floods and nuclear missiles and poverty and all the isms but what cost would it be to us to do that that's where we might just slow down again one last thing for peace to become a reality we have to change we have to give up something. We have to stretch beyond our means. We have to be sacrificial followers of the Lord who sacrificed himself on our behalf. How far will we bend to honor another's culture? How deeply will we share our abundance and comforts so that all can be fed and housed and educated How welcoming are we to those who are orphans, aliens, and refugees longing for a new beginning? The question is asked of us What are the things that make for peace? A wise man said, We will never have peace on earth until we can quiet the wars within our own hearts. The wars within our own hearts. Simple as neighbor to neighbor not talking across the fence. Simple as coworkers who are at each other and distrust, who backbite. We all do it. But it's the little wars that begin to escalate and taint us. We will never have peace until we can quiet the wars within our own hearts. And Christ is here to show us the way we discover again in Holy Week that it is only when the gracious power of our Lord's self-sacrificial love and innocent death on a cross is received deep into our warring hearts, into the skirmishes of everyday life that our world will ever hope to live in peace and harmony without rioting, without distrust. So let us gather together this week once again to thank him to open our hearts to such an indescribable gift as Paul described it in Philippians. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself. Taking the form of a servant, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, being humbled himself, and becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Amen.